Hi, I'm Ben Harper. Hey, this is Brad Lukowicz. Hey, this is Lou Temple. You know me as Axel on The Walking Dead. This is Smooth Bess Henderson. Hi, this is William Duvall, singer of Alice in Chains. Hi, this is Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo. Hi, I am Zach Wood. Hey, guys, it's Alexis Adoria, seven-time NHRA national event champion. Hey, what's going on? This is Bubbles. This is Ricky. This is Julian. And you're listening to the Toddcast Podcast, baby. <laughs> as mentioned last week, we did a bunch of interviews when COVID first struck. We released those interviews, you've heard them, but they haven't been official guests of the full-length podcast till now. Have started using Zoom to record those videos as well. You can see them at the Toddcast Podcast YouTube page. Too bad we hadn't gotten to that point by the time we talked to Grant Fuhrer, one of the best goalies to play in the NHL a Hall of Famer as of 2003, simply brilliant in the 80s playing with the Edmonton Oilers. Grant won five Stanley Cups, went on to play in six All-Star games. Grant Fuhrer is a guest this week. And longtime Canadian radio personality, currently at Real Country 95.5 in Red Deer, Alberta, part of the Real Wake Up, Randy Chase is officially a guest this week as well. We'll get to this week's musical guest in just a minute. Coming up in about 15 minutes in Listen to This, Riverdale actor Ryan Robbins talks about aliens and our attention span to current news cycles. I think you're going to agree with him 100%. That is powered by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley. RV service and repair, ICBC accredited. You can find them online through Tedco RV Supplies, Inc., Com. First, our first guest of three guests, this week's musical guest, Jane's Addiction drummer, Stephen Perkins. That's brought to you by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe, 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver. And being a 20-year rock radio DJ here in Canada, a drummer as well, it was awesome to talk to him. A huge fan of his work. You could argue that Jane's Addiction is one of the most influential rock bands Period. In 1985, there was a unique sound. The debut was out in 1987, or a live album, an album in 1988, then in 1990, and then the band's initial farewell tour in 1991 was the launch of Lollapalooza. Again, back to the influential bands thing. Back again in 1997 with Flea from the Chili Peppers, now on bass, they released Strays. In 2003, 2008, the band's original lineup reunited. They toured the world. 2011, they released The Great Escape Artist, nominated for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016, and they deserve all of it. A great band. Have loved Jane's since Nothing Shocking came out. It's an absolute treat to make this one official. You can hear the full talk at our iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud pages. A search of Toddcast podcast. We're also on the Dean Blundell Network out of Toronto at deanblundell.com and the Boot Crew Media Network out of New Orleans at bootcrewmedia.com. Spell that crew with a K-R-E-W-E. In the meantime, here's 10 minutes with Jane's Addiction drummer, Stephen Perkins. The Toddcast Podcast. But of course you did stuff with, uh, you know, the Chili Peppers and you played like tours or at least a date or some dates with instead of Chad Smith, you're replacing the Chili's drummer. Yeah, the Fushante's first show back That's three months ago. Awesome, dude. Do they just reach out and like, hey man, you got time to come up on this date? Or like, how does that happen? Exactly. Well, the LA scene from 1986 was a, a lot of separate camps, but we all slept in the same tent. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, those said. guys were, you know, Fishbone and, and Chili Peppers and Minuteman and X, you know, they had some years on me. I was only 18 in 86, but uh, they were in their mid-20s. Yeah. But James was playing gigs with these guys, and, you know, we all sort of fell in love with each other's playing and attitude and commitment to music. And uh, Frusciante was playing with Felonious Monster, and Porno Papyro's got our bass player from Felonious Monster. So ah. there was this... Uh, this great connection through Bob Forrest and uh, going back to the gig that just happened, Bob called me and said there was a a party happening for a friend of ours and he was trying to get Fishbone and Jane's and Chili Peppers and Thelonious Monster, get the whole 1986 crew back. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Chili's needed a drummer, so <laughs> Chad was not available. Wow. And I was like, of course, you know, 
when Flea was in Jane's Addiction in 97, that was such a great uh, time for me and Navarro and, and Perry to have one of our buddies in the band, and, and Flea took it so serious because, you know, he he doesn't play with a pick, and all the Jane's tunes were written with a pick, and he wanted to, you know, uh, he wanted to give the songs their due, but he also wanted to bring himself to the table, so... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, playing with Flea is just taking my drumming to another level. So that was a perfect fit. And then me and Flea and Trishante had a band called The Three Amoebas. And uh, no one really, I've only got the, the only recordings, you know, basically we played in a studio about 15 times. We never did a live show, but mm-hmm. I've got all the recordings. And it is That's some of awesome. the greatest, funkiest stuff ever. That's, yeah. uh, that was 91. So, you know, there was a lot of old friendships ready to burst. And, and Anthony is such a powerful front man and, and such a you know giving musician on stage you know he lets his band go off and off and off yeah so it was just a, a perfect a perfect fit for me and, and what a great afternoon and and we did have uh, james and fishbone and Thelonious and chili peppers and even uh the guitar player from sticks tommy shaw showed up i got to play renegade with tommy nice. And uh, it was just a great afternoon of, of old friends and making new music together. So, yeah, it's uh, L.A. is a small scene as far as there's a lot of musicians, but if you go deep into the pool, uh, you know, there's a lot of the same players. You see them over and over, and, and you play with them over and over. Mm-hmm. And um, I've even done some band-in shows, the, the Mike Watt, and with Flea and Band, we had double bass. So we had Flea and Watt and me doing banyan gigs and Perry was singing, well, actually just reading poetry that day. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of lines that kind of get crossed and, and even erased and we all like to play with each other. And, and of course the commitment to their own band and, and I love the commitment I see, you know, that Anthony and Flea have to each other since who knows, since pre-high forever. school. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, to see that kind of commitment to friendship and to music and to, you know, the the, the work ethic is just mind-blowing. And, and uh, you know, me and Navarro met when we were 14, and uh, I met Perry and Eric when I was 17, and, you know, I still play with these guys. So right. it's, um, it's really about, you know, keeping the friendships alive with, with a sense of humor and uh, <laughs> and having, you know, understanding that everyone's got their own life and we don't have to commit just to each other. But when you get on stage or get in a room together, that commitment comes straight to the top, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why playing and, and seeing some of those bands I've been in and playing with these cats, you know, it seems logical and, and, and just a perfect fit for me. But also it's the guys that I've been growing up with and it's the guys I like to play with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, it's a great feeling to get in a room with these cats, close your eyes and go, okay, I'm 52, but it sounds like we're 15. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. It feels, it feels like we're kids again. And I think that's the greatest thing about music and art. It really is timeless. I mean, an athlete sooner or later has to put his cleats out, you know, and put his glove out. And I can't play anymore. I can't keep up with the 20-year-olds. I'm 50. Mm-hmm. But a musician never has to quit. Right. And... And the, the great jazz players, and there's only a handful left from the original days. But, you know, they, Miles would surround himself with young electric players, and he would reinvent himself constantly because, you know, he would get John McLaughlin or, or Billy Cobham or, or Tony Williams in his band, you know, and all of a sudden Miles had a new sound and a new, and, and a new uh, I guess, a breath of fresh air into the jazz scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that holds true for rock and roll. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, the old guys were the jazz guys. Now, you know, Mick and Keith and Paul, and, you know, and Ringo, and they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at U two, you know, they've only got, uh, you know, they, even if they started in nineteen eighty, and the and the Stones started in sixty two, it's not that big of a difference now. Not I mean, now. they're they're no. older older cats playing rock and roll music, and they're, and they're playing it with heart. Yeah. I wonder, as you're telling the story about the the LA scene, and you know it's Fishbone, it's you guys, it's the Peppers, and everything. I wonder how much that played into uh, Perry building Lollapalooza, and and how much did you have a part in Lollapalooza launching? Well, the the first Lollapalooza was a great combination of bands that we loved, but none of the bands could sell the tickets by themselves. Chili Peppers. 
was 92, but the first Lollapalooza was 91. Right. But the, the, the first Lollapalooza, we had Butthole Surfers, Henry Rollins, uh, Ice-T and Body Count, uh, Susie, Living right. Color, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, even the Violent Femmes and Fishbone joined up for three shows. It's not really talked about as much because they weren't on the original lineup, but they came in. And it was, um, it was a realization for not only promoters and the industry that this music now can sell tickets just as uh, the, the hard rock, heavy metal, Van Halen's, and Motley Crue's were selling tickets. So, uh, but we, need this, we needed a, a package, so to speak, but we only had one stage. You know, the show started at 1 in the afternoon, and then Henry came out, you know, and it wasn't a bunch of different stages and a different things happening all through, and you got to mingle from one place to another. It was mm-hmm. concentrated. Mm-hmm. But um, it really was about Jane's addiction and uh, seeing sort of like the tip of the arrow. I mean, we needed the whole stick to be the arrow, but we were the arrowhead, and we were sharpened, and we were, uh, uh, you know, we had vision. And even in the L.A. scene back in the day before all this, the crowd was full of filmmakers and writers and and visionaries, today's, you know, today's directors were at the gig back then thinking about, wow, I'd make a movie out of this. This would be a cool movie, this scene, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think it was a, a, a collective and a, and a collaboration. And also it was global, pulling Susie out of England over here, you know, pulling Living Color from New York. You know, we, we tried to make sure that that actual tour represented everything that we thought was a quality and and had and in a sense rock and roll doesn't really mean much except in my opinion it means you know do it your way and and Susie did not sound like living color and they weren't going to do gigs together mm. the butthole surfers you know weren't going to do gigs with body count but we did <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it was this beautiful you know it was like a it was like mixing at the bar, you know, what are you going to put some vodka, you know, to what, Long Island iced tea. There are seven different types of alcohol <laughs> in there, but it tastes good, you know. So yeah, we were totally. making the Long Island iced tea of, 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 a, of a show. And I am an athlete, and I love to play drums. So I would go to the gig at 1 and stay there all day, even though Jane's didn't get on stage till 9.30. Right. I was there all day, every day, and doing drum circles and getting together with all the musicians and meeting people constantly and, and, uh, you know, the word wasn't there then, but networking, really, you know, totally. and, and right, after, you know, right after Jane's Addiction, I was in Infectious Grooves, and all of a sudden I was hanging out with the new metal guys, the Deftones, and Corn and Limp Bizkit, and, and I was like, okay, this is a whole other world, you know, and, and it seems like if you, if you look deep enough into the musician's uh, circle, we all grew up somewhat with the same music, and hopefully our environment make us sound original. And a band from Seattle is not going to sound like a band from Miami. And, and a band from New York shouldn't, you know, Van Halen can never come from New York City. It's an L.A. band. Right. You know, and, and Living Color couldn't come from Los Angeles. It's a New York band. They've got a lot of, you know, jazz and, and uh, you know, you can hear the, the busyness of the streets go into their music, you know. So um, I think Lollapalooza was just a an understanding of what was coming around the corner and, and the world, coin, you know, the alternative word, you know, for me, alternative music was the Grateful Dead. And I love the dead. But, you know, if you wanted to get weird and go to a concert for four days, that was the alternative than going to a, a cheap trick concert for an hour and a half. Right. You know, <laughs> right. it was a real experience. Musical guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe. Check them out at 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver.
Now, listen to this on the Toddcast Podcast. You'll know actor Ryan Robbins for many roles. Most recently, he plays Fred Andrews on Riverdale. But you've seen him in Stargate Atlantis and Sanctuary, Battlestar Galactica. He was in Pure, X-Files, Van Helsing, Arrow, and a lot more. Great story. Local kid, born in Victoria, lives in Squamish, and he's just crushing it. We've known each other since, I think, the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, when he was playing shows in a Vancouver rock band at the time. He's a good guy, deserves everything that's coming his way. And when Ryan was a guest of the podcast, we talked about binging The Witcher and The Mandalorian how working on Arrow was actually offered to him. We talked about the UFC and Canucks hockey, the superpower that you'd want to have. We geeked out over Alan Moore's writing. We got into legalized marijuana, seeing NXS in concert, talked Spider-Man, Motown, and Ryan shares his thoughts on aliens visiting Earth and society's quick attention span in regards to today's news cycle. Listen to this. I do think that there is, um, there's just some things that we just don't understand. And then and maybe aliens, I, I don't, I don't disbelieve the idea of yeah. aliens at all because I, why wouldn't there be, you, you know, know, it would be the reverse. Like, you know, it's less feasible that they haven't. Yeah. How <laughs> arrogant is it to think that the, this huge universe that we know nothing about that we're it. Right. Like that just seems that just seems arrogant to me. But I, you know, we're yeah, kind like of NASA's Kepler program has identified. I don't know, like is a it's a million planets or something like that. It's some ridiculous number. Even yeah. it doesn't and, need to necessarily be humanoids. It no, could be just something. Also, and of all people to start like, it, not exposing, but you know, stuff became declassified, and to bring that knowledge to the public, Tom along from Blink-182 right. is like leading this crazy charge and going like, look what's available. This totally. is what's available. And, and, the, like, and the oh government and the U.S. government saying, absolutely, aliens exist. And people, yeah. are, it, it, it's at that point now where the, the super information highway is, w- w- our attention span is like six minutes. Oh, dude, like, like, nobody cares. Nobody they cares, just, dude. They like, nobody cares. They're like, Oh yeah, no, these are for sure UFOs. Like these are yeah. like, yeah, we think these like, yeah, yeah. are probably alien shits. People are like, oh yeah, cool. What's great. Trump doing? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Have we impeached him yet? We did. Yeah. Oh, but then he bombed up. Are, are we going to war with Iran, Iran or what's oh. going on? Oh, right. Cookies over here. Great. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're just, it, we're all over yeah, the map. It, yeah. It's like an impeached president potentially just started a war and we're just like, nah, I'm over my, that's my six minute limit. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, an ICBC-approved repair shop. Find them online at tedcorvsuppliesinc.com.
That band is Brass Camel and a great song for those guys called Issues. Uh, they were supposed to play a show for the podcast right around when the coronavirus came marching onto the scene like Kid Rock and Sandals. Once things kind of toned down here in BC and were able to dial shows up again for the railway downtown Vancouver, bet your ass that those guys will be top of mind. And played you a new song for a band that played a podcast show about a year back now. In fact, we just did the world album premiere with Dead Quiet. That was off their new album. It's their third album called Truth and Ruin. That one is Atoned Death, and they just released that new album just mentioned a few days back on the 11th. They're easily one of the best bands any genre in Vancouver scene right now. No question. All right, Todd's Trolls is coming up in just a bit. You know, the stupid, the mean, the hurtful, but really it's the funny things that people say to what you post, what you see online. This week, the Flaming Lips the new movie, The Kingsman, and the PGA's U.S. Open share that beautiful spotlight. Powered by our buddies at The Garage, Games and Geekery in Maple Ridge, your place to play Warhammer, D&D, Slay Trolls, and a bunch more. First, the second of three Toddcast guests this week is our sporting guest, retired NHL goaltender, five-time Stanley Cup winner, Grant Fuhr. And you cannot talk about the best goaltenders to have played the game without saying Grant Grant's name. He was a beast. Sure, he played with the best. Introduced into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2003, decimated teams in the 80s playing with the Oilers. Wayne Gretzky says he thinks that Fuhr is the best goaltender to have ever played in the NHL. Five Stanley Cups, six appearances in All-Star Games. You just can't get much better than that. And he's a super nice guy as well. The full conversation is definitely worth hearing. Again, search it out through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Toddcast Podcast. Till you hear that, here's 10 minutes with retired NHL goaltender, five-time Stanley Cup winner, Grant Fuhrer. The Toddcast Podcast. All right, let's go back to the beginning, uh, Grant, for, for our time together. What's your first hockey memory? Jeez. Uh, first memory is probably playing outdoors as a kid. Yeah. That's probably my first memories getting to play, oh, I was probably four or five and getting to play outdoor rinks. So how old were you when you realized like, hey, maybe I could go all the way with this? Oh, probably about four years into pro. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. Everybody dreams of it, but they never think you could actually do it. So I mean, I'm lucky enough to play junior and had fun with that. And I played because I liked the game. Mm-hmm. Actually, I love the game. That was the biggest thing. It wasn't a matter of whether I was going to be able to play pro or not. It's because I loved and enjoyed being at the rink every day. And was it always goaltender for you? Was there other positions where you're like, yeah, you know, I, I don't mind. I don't mind left. I don't mind center. Oh, hell no. Goalie from day oh, one. Always goalie. Yeah. I mean, we took a shining the equipment when I was about four. And I, to this day, would still, if I could play, I'd play goal. And was that a hard decision for you to retire? No, the body was done. Was done. I mean, mind-wise, I probably could have squeezed another four or five years out, but body-wise, I was lucky if I could squeeze an extra four or five days out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Over the career, you won five Stanley Cups. Did the feeling ever change year to year? Tell us about the, f- the first time winning the Stanley Cup. You know what? Each time you win the Stanley Cup, it's kind of the same feeling. Yeah. Because it's different, a different group of guys, and you go through different trials and tribulations over the course of a season. So every time you win, it's different. But it's always a great feeling at the end. Is it true that winning the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win in sports? I probably agree with that. The playoffs last for a long time, and it's kind of a battle of attrition. So mm-hmm. hey, winning one is hard. Winning the second one's harder. And did anyone feel better than the other? No, they all feel good. Yeah. There's no question. They're all good. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, eh? No doubt. Being that you were a a six-time All-Star before the coronavirus pretty much shut the world down, which teams and which players were you liking to go all the way? I liked Edmonton as a sleeper. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if they'd scrape into the playoffs, they could do some damage because there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of grit that they could play with also. I mean, who else was good? Uh, Let's see. Calgary had a good chance. They were playing well. A lot of times, there's going to be somebody out of the West this year. Mm -hmm. How how do you feel about them thinking about maybe perhaps wrapping things up with a quick little playoff round? Do you think that they should do that or just hold off for the next year? Uh, You know what? Mixed emotions over it. I would love to see it, but at the same time, you got to make sure it's right. 
And the fact that you jump into a playoff and they talk in 24 teams now, there's nothing quick about that. Mm-hmm. So, it's, would I love to see live hockey and especially playoff hockey? From a selfish point of view, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. But from from a practical point of view, it, there's mixed emotions over that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, obviously, I'd love to have hockey back, but... It, it'll make for a long summer with no hockey. <laughs> yes, it will be a long, quiet summer. No kidding. A good buddy of mine said that to me the other day. So you played for six NHL teams, but clearly playing for the Oilers had to be the best years. Uh, you know what? They were all good years, but being from just outside Edmonton, yeah. anytime you can play at home in front of your friends and family is obviously special. So I'm kind of partial to Edmonton. Yeah. And, and what was that like looking out? You're seeing Gretzky, there's Curry, there's Anderson, there's Messier. Like, wow. Hey, I get the best seat in the house for it. So <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the fun part is I get to see it every day. I get to see it at practice. So I knew what other goalies were facing. Yeah. Easily the best seat in the house to enjoy the show. Grant, talk to us about uh, your jersey, number 31, retiring to the rafters in 2003. Was that three? Moments like that. That must be hard fighting back the tears. Uh, you know what? It's exciting. It's fun. And you're in dire panic. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the limelight. So that was, it was an emotional time, but it was a fun time. And I think it's something that you never, ever dream of. I mean, yeah, you dream as a kid of winning Stanley Cups. But you never ever dream of having your number retired. No, I mean it's amazing. It's kind of prepping for this uh, for this talk. Uh, was it Hockey News put you as like one of the one of the hundred best players of all time? Yeah, a lot of good company there, dude. So it's it, you know it's it's a nice appreciation of what you accomplished to be put in the same company as those guys. Sure, and of course you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame as well. It, not a, a nice individual accolade for being lucky enough to play on good teams <laughs> and it, it shows you're kind of you're a part of good teams and, and what still stands out from the day you're you're inducted to the to the hall of fame uh probably that you actually have to stand there and make a speech i'm not <laughs> one for speeches so <laughs> that was the hard part because you're standing there and you don't want to forget anybody right there's so many people that help you along the way that you just want to make sure you don't forget anyone and how many times you, is it Lisa is your, is your wife? How many times did you, did you run that by her? Actually, we were married at that time. So okay. I ran it by my kids once or twice and I was going to write a speech and then I decided to just wing it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I do better winging it than I do writing things down. So that's why the mad panic of trying not to forget anybody. <laughs> right. Well, always go by the heart. It's the best way to go. You never go wrong that way. Before we get into some just kind of random questions from uh, from your fans, uh, one last hockey uh, question for you. Connor wants to know, he goes, holy, oh man, tell us about your ice rivalries. Um, obviously, we had good rivalries in Edmonton, especially with our division. I mean, we had some good teams in our division. Our biggest rivalry is probably the Flames. Yeah. I mean, the Battle of Alberta was, one, it was good hockey, two, it was physical hockey, and... It's not so much that it was hatred as much as it was respect. I think that's the biggest thing is you may hate who you're playing against, but it's because you respect them. Right. You know, you're going in and having a battle because they're an awesome team. Oh yeah. I mean, it's funny. You look at some of the teams in our division at one time in our division, three of the best teams in the league were in our division. Mm -hmm. You had Calgary, us and Winnipeg and then Vancouver and LA were both starting to get better. You want to get outside of hockey for a little bit here? Whatever works. Okay. Of course, we've got a bunch of time on our hands right now. Which TV shows are you currently binge-watching? Uh, what have I been watching a lot? NCIS, NCIS, New Orleans, NCIS, Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. Last night I watched, caught up on a bunch of old horror movies. So, it's, TV's starting to get boring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready for, I'm ready for normal. I wonder if there's going to be a normal. It'll be a new normal. It's going to be a new one, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to some live sports. Yeah. And I've resorted to bull riding because it's live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? What was the music like in the Fuhrer House as a kid growing up? What are the bands your parents are playing? Um, they didn't play a whole lot of music. Oh, really? No. Hmm. In our household, we spent most of our time outside playing as kids. Yeah. It wasn't so much sitting around the house listening. We were out either playing baseball in the street, playing hockey in the street. So... 
basically you get up in the morning, you went to school, you, as soon as you got home from school, all the kids gathered and mm-hmm. the games were on until the parents yelled at you to come in. That's right. Yeah. As soon as the first light comes on, the, the street light comes on, get home. Be well, with, be we, within we may have extended it a little past that. Yeah. 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 What was, uh, what was your first concert? Uh, first concert I saw was Rush. Wow. How old were so you for that? Oh, I'd have been early teens. Okay. They, they actually opened for Trooper. Wow. Holy so that's how that's long ago that was. Yeah. Cause of course they eclipsed Trooper by a little bit. Yeah. The old Kinsman Fieldhouse in Edmonton. Oh yeah. Cool. So, so how many, how many people have that been? Well, probably held 2,500 people. Relatively small. Oh yeah. For, for Rush anyway. Yeah. Wow. Grant, the, uh, the U S government recently released, uh, some tapes of UFOs, uh, and it seems to gone virtually under the radar, um, <laughs> pun intended, I guess. Uh, do you believe that aliens have visited earth? You know what? I've never really thought about it. It's not something I've thought of or worried about. Yeah. No, fair enough. It's an oddball question. Are you, <laughs> are you a fan of, of, of all the superhero movies that are being made like Avengers and X-Men and Wonder Woman oh. and all that? Oh, I'll watch them. Yeah. I think the last one I watched was Deadpool, so. Yeah, great show. Filmed here in Vancouver, or at least part of it was filmed here in Vancouver. Part of it was. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds, of course, uh, uh, from here. Yep. Uh, if you could have one superpower, which power would you want to have? Um, that's a good question. Actually, a vision wouldn't hurt. Yes. There's so many good ones, though. I know. Yeah. What's your take on legalized marijuana? Uh, you know what? The CBD side of it, I really like. Yeah. And from some of the studies that I've read and such with people with concussions and stuff, mm-hmm. the THC side of it's having some good benefits for them. So I, I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The CBD oils are being used by like UFC fighters and Bellator fighters. You know, once oh, everybody, they, yeah, like they battled and they basically had their body just totally torn apart and then they use that to recoup quicker. Oh, you'd rather take CBD than Advil, Aleve, any of those things. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So so much easier on your body. Music, sports, entertainment, lifestyle. You're listening to the Toddcast Podcast. What do you mean rock and roll is dead, Johnny? What do you mean rock and roll is dead? podcast is powered by milano coffee bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world online at milanocoffee.ca a look at this week's keyboard warriors todd's trolls 
on the Toddcast Podcast. And the chirping is absolutely relentless. It's everywhere you look online. It doesn't matter what it is. Nobody and nothing is safe. Take the Flaming Lips. They've won three Grammy Awards, nominated for Brit Awards. Q Magazine says they're one of 50 bands you need to see before you die. They just released their new album just a few days ago. It's called American Head. Amazing that for such an influential band, I couldn't tell you the name of any of their songs. I'm making a Facebook post about it right now. Overrated has two R's, right? Quick, name anyone in the band. 20 bucks to anyone who can. We'll even accept just their first name. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Are you thinking of going seeing the Kingsman in theaters? As of this weekend, you can see the origins of the Secret Service Kingsman organization in the early 1900s up to World War I. So, another fictional Secret Service organization? No thanks. Nothing's touching James Bond. Why try? Pretty solid cast. Still gonna suck though. Watch the trailer, just so you can waste a few minutes of your life. This movie should be boycotted, so Hollywood gets the message. You can't keep making this crap. Come on, guys. Do better. And a big one for golf. The U.S. Open was supposed to happen back in June, but COVID. Now the Winged Foot Golf Club in New York hosts it from September 17th to the 20th. Let's see these guys golf like we do. Beer in a joint every three holes. Imagine being at home watching golf like it's not a lazy enough sport as is. If they threw in some spectator taking on pro golfer fights every four holes, I'd be in. Otherwise, no chance. Todd's Trolls on the Toddcast podcast is powered by The Garage, Games and Geekery. Your place to play RPGs, board games, and Warhammer in Maple Ridge. Online at garagegames.ca. And I play inside my head over and over again. Imagine that the ocean would swallow me whole. And I. Follow you down to the coast where you told me to go if I ever missed you like home. Like 
They are Winter Youth, and I love that one. It's called Home, and you heard Johnny Rath, and their song was What It Takes. Both of those bands have played shows for the podcast, both great live bands, both worthy of your love. Find them online, give them a follow, and hopefully we'll be able to see them playing shows again soon. This has to be the worst thing about COVID, right? The live scene slowly withering away. Well, Besides the deaths, of course, that's worse. But aside from that, not being able to go to concerts is right up there. Speaking of live music, you can find info for smaller shows and the live stream shows with the indie scene at toddhancock.ca. Slowly but surely, the scene is starting to rebuild and you can find those shows there, or at least the ones I find and the ones that bands tell me about. Make sure to get out there and support with donations, support the local scene and the local bands. Brought to you by Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. 40 plus years experience in the music industry. Find them through mysticrhythms.com. CA. Okay, our final guest of this episode 226 is this week's entertainment guest, Canadian radio personality Randy Chase. Brought to you by Tomes. Get a better night's sleep. In fact, the first seven nights are on them 100% free at tomes.com. That's T A U M M H O M S.com. T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S dot com. If you've ever wanted to get into radio, be an on-air host, this will be right up your alley. Randy has drive and determination unlike most. It's an inspiring story to say the least. You will love the timeline of how she got to where she is today. We met each other when she was still working in Vancouver. She's now doing a morning show in Red Deer, Alberta. The full talk is now posted again at our iTunes and Spotify SoundCloud pages. Simple search of Toddcast Podcast. Till then, here's 10 minutes with Canadian radio on-air personality, Randy Chase. The Toddcast Podcast. Yeah, this one's yeah. been, a, been a while in the making. I think that we originally talked about you being a guest. Like, I think you were still living in Vancouver. Yeah, I was. I was living in Vancouver, and I remember we were messaging, and mm. well, we got to do it. We got to do it. And totally. Then, then I moved to and, Alberta. And then you moved to Alberta. So uh, how was that transition? BC, Vancouver, Alberta. What city are you in again? I'm in Red Deer, which and, is right in between Edmonton and Calgary. Right. And how, how is it? How is it? Like you've been there for a couple of years now. Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, before I moved to Vancouver, I was in Vancouver for like, I'd say almost six years. Right. Um, before I moved to Vancouver, though, I was in Calgary for years. Um, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Where were you? What yeah. were you doing in Calgary? I did mornings at a station called Cool 101.5. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was in Edmonton as well for a couple of years working at The Bounce. Mm. Um, which wow. is now Kiss, Kiss Radio. But so I did my time in Alberta before, and I always I loved Alberta. I right. Loved it. So why radio for you? Like, how old were you when you decided to go down that route? I was living in Toronto. I grew up in Montreal. I'll tell you a little my little story. I grew up in Montreal until I was about thirteen or fourteen, mm-hmm. and my family we moved to outside of Toronto to Oakville, Ontario. Nice. And I used to always listen to the radio and. I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be a radio personality. Like, I was more like, I want to be in entertainment. I don't know what that is. It's acting, it's theater, it's dance. I, I, fuck, I freaking suck at dance. But <laughs> it, it was like something, you know, something out there. I was a performer for sure. And um, so I used to call radio stations all the time, mainly a station called Kiss 92 in Toronto that's still there. Nice. And I'd call in all the time, and a DJ by the name of Rob Pepper... He was on air there. He was doing evenings. I know Rob had a short stint in Vancouver on X. Yeah, uh, Crash and Pepper. Pepper and Crash. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. And I would call him all the time. And one time his boss, Julie Adam, uh, was like, who's that girl you always have on the radio with you? And he's like, oh, that's Randy. And, and she's like, okay, we got to get her interning here. So No way. That's fun. Yeah. That's how it started. I was in grade 10. Okay. And so... Um, all throughout high school, my whole high school career, <laughs> except for grade nine, grade 10 until I was done, I worked at Kiss in Toronto, so I was Corey Kim's phone girl. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I, I would work every evening, like Monday to Friday, and I finished high school, and I took the GO train into Toronto, and I took the subway to the station, all for free, of course. Um, right, of and- course, yeah, it's the way to do it, right? <laughs> like, how yeah. many people do that today? Nobody. Like, you want to get yeah. further somewhere? Like, volunteer, man, get in there. I know. 
it's because we're entitled nowadays. Right. People Damn become kids, famous get off over, my lawn. Over like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People get famous on YouTube in two seconds, and they, everyone thinks that's their big break, and that's what they're supposed to be doing to mm. get by in life, which is sad. Right. But yeah, it's, you know, it's that's the world bad. we live in. It's pretty bad. I know. It yeah. pretty makes me jealous and mad all at the same time. Yeah. So you did it right then. You you, you really you know you were you're going for it. You're a go getter. Yeah, I, I guess. Like it's funny. Well, I don't oh, yeah. really like. You don't think about yourself that way. You just think, like, this is my life and this is what I've done. Right, but you look but, back um, and, like, you were proactive in, in getting to where you are today. Yeah, like, oh, totally, yeah, for sure. My, my dad used to pick me up. He would drive from Oakville to Toronto, which is um, about half an hour. But if there's traffic, it could be, like, two, three hours. Right, with, I with know. Traffic. Oh, my God, I hated driving out there. Oh, my God. It's sick. The it's worst. terrible. But luckily, I was working till midnight every night while going to high school. So my dad would literally drive pick me up at midnight we'd get home at like twelve forty, and my dad would get up at 5 a.m for work and he incredible. did that for three years your Four dad years. is awesome does he wear a cape or something or what yeah he, he should freaking he superhero should. big time my dad's a janitor he's the best wow that's great yeah what a, he's a hard-working guy awesome story awesome start to get to that you know to where you need to be in in radio broadcasting are you, are you happy where you are right now or you're you're, you're sticking you're staying in in red deer I'm so happy. It's yeah. funny because um, when I did the, the KISS thing and I worked there as a teenager, um, I ended up going to college in Ottawa at Algonquin College for Broadcasting, and I ended up working at a station called Hot 89.9, and I worked there all throughout college, and then I, I got a job there after college. And then I went to Montreal, and I did evenings there. And then I went to Edmonton, I did middays, and I went back to Toronto and ended up working on KISS 92 as the midday host. Holy Where shit. I used to volunteer. That's insane. I know it was, it, that was like a really cool moment for me. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I used to like sit in this room and answer phones. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then I quit there and went to Chum FM across the street and they probably didn't like that, but that's okay. They hired <laughs> they me back probably, in Vancouver. Yeah, they probably <laughs> didn't like that very much. I would think not though. Yeah. yeah. But that happens. Yeah. So how's, how's things in your circle with uh, COVID-19? Everyone fine? No one going stir crazy just yet? No, uh, you know, well, everyone's stir crazy, I think, but yeah, fucking hard. Not it's a to. small price to pay. Like it's like yeah, I mean, it sucks, but we have food, we have a house, we have Netflix, like we have Instagram, we have shit to keep us occupied. Right. There's there's worse there's worse things. I mean, socially, like I'm getting, I'm a social butterfly, so I'm getting a little bit nutty. My husband's like <laughs> a super big introvert who loves to stay home, so for him, nothing has changed except. He's yeah, laid yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we have radio host uh, Randy Chase on the podcast right now. I want to get outside of radio and, of course, everything that you're known for. I'm wondering, what was your first concert? My first concert? That's such a good question. Um, besides, like, when you're little, I went to Sharon Lewis and Bram, and I totally yeah. remember it. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, that's, oh that's my your God, first. Yeah. You remember it. I mean, that's your first, right? I, think. I do remember it. Yeah. I, I friggin' <laughs> love that trio. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my first concert that I could recall was the Backstreet Boys. Mm. <laughs> Holy crap. I love them. Like setting the bar out of the gate. Like that show had to rule. Had oh to. my God. Like it blew your mind. I was crying. I was like, I was um, just turning, ele- I was 11 and we went to the Montreal Forum and my parents, I remember they got it for me for Christmas and I remember opening up the gift and I was sobbing because just obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. Like, I've seen them nine times. Well, and nine, that's I, crazy. Yeah, I love them. And then I remember the Fugees was my second concert. Wow. Quite different. Great atmosphere. shows, back-to-backs. Except one, I walked out high. <laughs> so, yeah. I wonder what <laughs> Very one high. Hmm. <laughs> it wasn't the Backstreet Boys. Let's, yeah, and thanks for the hint. Uh, yeah. And what was the music in your house as a kid growing up? What are your parents playing on the record player? Um, my dad is not into music. Like it's hilarious. We always say, really? no, my dad, like my dad, it, my dad's a cool character. My dad was, you know, taken out of school in grade six to work on a farm. So he's, he's not, he doesn't like, I can't explain it unless you know, Kenny, Kenny's not somebody who like knows things. Like he doesn't know lyrics to songs. He doesn't write or read very well, but like he's self-conscious about it. And I'm like, dad, that's just you. It's not something to be embarrassed about. You know, like yeah. that's just what your life was. And he's never been in, into music, but he likes anything my mom likes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, happy wife, happy life, yeah, sure. Yep. 
And my mom is a huge music person, but I would say country music is what I was definitely raised on. Hmm. Um, she loves country. That's her number one genre. But she also loves like the Stones and Bob Dylan and, yeah. and, and really cool, like eclectic stuff like that. But yeah. like when I hear Wild Horses, I always think of my mom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. But when I hear Shania Twain, Any Man of Mine, like that era, like 97. Sure. Um, I, you know, automatically think of growing up. So I was definitely country music. Like whenever I hear, I, I work at a country station now, which is funny. Right. Um, but whenever I hear like old country, I always think about growing up. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And most overrated band on the planet. Maroon 5. Maroon 5 in your face, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. No, no they're not very good. album was so good though. It was good, yeah. It was I so good. I just mean good. live. After, oh, live, yeah. Okay, yeah. They're terrible. I, They're never, not good. I've never seen them live. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. You don't spend the money. Do you know that Coldplay is one of those bands, when you see them live, they blow away all of your expectations? And I'm not Well, a it's fan. like a religious experience to see Coldplay. Like, um, like, it's what the hell is going on? They're that good. They're so I'm good. I'm not know. a fan. Like, I, I wouldn't go home and like, I need to put on, you know, the... Coldplay record. That ain't happening. You know, I, I love Coldplay. I did a rock documentary in college. We had to pick a band and produce a piece, and I did it on Coldplay, and I remember I got 100%. Oh, nice. I was so <laughs> excited. Yeah. <laughs> they are pretty good. They are pretty good. They're so good. Um, we have a lot of time on our hands right now, Randy. What are you binge watching? What, what, oh, shit. What can't you get enough of right now? We just watched, well, I, I've watched pretty much like every show there is. <laughs> So, <laughs> so if you name a show, uh-huh. I probably watched it. Yeah. But we just watched a show, and my husband's probably going to get mad that I said we. Um, it's called Never Have I Ever. It's the Mindy Kaling show. Ah, I don't know that I know that one. What, what's she, that about? She wrote it. Um, it's about a 16-year-old um, East Indian girl mm-hmm. who is kind of awkward and hilarious, and her, her dad ends up passing away, and her mom is like a very strict East Indian woman, but it's a comedy slash like drama. Okay. And, um, it's her, it, it's a high school kind of show. Like it's her going through life. as kind of nerdy, but mm. kind of becoming popular, but all trying to deal with, um, her dad's death and not accepting it. Cause her mom and her have a very strained relationship mm. and, um, you know, living as an American, but also battling, is she really East Indian? She doesn't feel East Indian because of her upbringing in the U S um, oh, it's a, a really, really cool show and it's really well written and funny. Entertainment guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Tomes, where quality sleep matters. Find out more at Tomes.com. That's T A U M M H O M S.com.
Just an absolute shredder from Black Wizard. The song is called Hugh, H-U-G-H. They just played a live stream show at the Rickshaw Theater in Vancouver last month. It was cool to see them. Not an ideal way to see a band, but beggars can't be choosers. (laughs) Really though, honestly, just dying to get our live scene back up and running. The whole no concert business is absolutely killing me. Uh, Before we wrap things up, I wanted to give a big thanks to this week's guests as well. Jane's Addiction drummer, Stephen Perkins. Dude, thank you so much for being so cool to talk to, for following and sharing as much as you have online as well. That's super rad. I look forward to catching up again real soon. Retired NHL goaltender Grant Fuhr, thank you for taking the time to be a guest as well. Nothing like uh, talking to straight up NHL royalty. You are the best. And Canadian radio personality Randy Chase, what to say, but big love. Next time you're in Vancouver, let me know and uh, we'll tip one back on the podcast. And that's going to do it for episode 226. My name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, SoundCloud. As mentioned, we're also on the Dean Blundell Network out of Toronto at deanblundell.com and the Boot Crew Media Network out of New Orleans at bootcrewmedia.com. You can comment and rate the podcast. It does help out. Again, a search of Toddcast Podcast and you'll find it. Huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors. You can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can for as little as 10 bucks a day. There's only a couple openings right now, but maybe we can get together and make some magic. There's contact info at the homepage. Till next week, don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. The Toddcast Podcast. Keep in touch with Todd through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and bookmark ToddHancock.ca. 